Hi folks, this is Gabriel, Saving Renee, Chapter 9, the week before the Italian dinner. By the time we got home to our new apartment, the men were starting to arrive at the meeting place, they would beep me once, and then I'd go meet them. The nice part was they were only about three blocks away. We had preset this up. They were meeting in the Home Depot parking lot, and I could actually see them from my window. My bedroom window, I was on the top floor. Anyway, from where we were meeting in the morning, so each one of them that beat me, I went and met them and pointed over to the apartment building. And there was probably about six of them, and I showed them which building I was living in this season, providing the number and the address so they knew. I told them, bring their deliveries there from now on, and I would be there. Or someone, I would find an office girl and we'll do something like that. Well, can we come over now, they asked. And we had just gotten there, and we were just putting things together. We want to see the new place. I replied, listen, it looks exactly like it did last season. I'm talking to the crew chief now. Nothing has changed except for the address. You know that? Come on, you dummy. Moron, I would say. And they'd laugh at me. It was a personal joke. Anyways, take the elevator up. Same rules are going to apply from last year. No loitering around. Only crew chiefs come up. You grab a water or a beer out of the fridge, but then you have to go after we go over the paperwork. They didn't like it, but I couldn't have a bunch of guys thinking this was a boys' club or a hangout. And you folks must realize These guys were animals. I made them animals. That's what it took to do this kind of work. My pit bulls, my rottweilders, my German shepherds, and sprinkled in there a couple of Doberman pinchers. 
the smarter ones. You get it? To me, those days of drinking and fighting and carousing are over when I was younger and I started this business. I was divorced, yes. But now, you just have to grow up. And that's what I did. I just kind of grew up. The best way to put it, folks, I'm no longer angry. I'm hurt all the time. I walked around with the basketball on my chest, never telling anybody at the time of what the ex-wife did to me because I trusted her. But let me tell you this. I was still a father. I had a husband's and a father's mentality now. As soon as Bob's daughter found out that I was divorced and had left Tracy, she filed for divorce with her husband and came after me, as you've heard in other episodes. She was my saving grace, however. She really, really was. She would call me almost every night, And we would talk, easing my pain, not knowing she was doing that. Just being her, she was so full of life and so sweet and so innocent. That was her undoing. She would tell me about the events of the day at the hospital. She worked in the hospital. And I would tell her the same, oh, you know, what was happening with the pools, and we grew very close. This was the season I helped my first daughter out with my first ex-wife. Say that three times fast. She was down on her luck, no car, no house. Her father had kicked her out of the his house, and she had a six-year-old son, and she was in a bad way. She really was. And she don't ask anybody for help. That's just the way she is. So my firstborn told me that I had to help her. I had no choice. Oh, okay. All right, sweetheart. I have no choice. The long and the short of it, I gave her a job that summer. For the summer, that season, working for me. It was only six months. What could go wrong? Oh, boy. I thought, right? And I had created such a consistent product of service installing above-ground swimming pools. If she would just follow my instructions in the office, she could make some money enough to tide her over all winter. 
and I'd make sure of it. And I would use her every year as office personnel. Nothing works out the way you plan it, folks. <sighs> That's why they must have come up with roll with the punches, eh? Sandra was coming next week, and she was excited. I kept reassuring her that there's nothing, nothing that I can say again, nothing in common between us, my ex and I, except for that child we had together. I, oh, I want to... I'm not going to, okay, you know what I was going to say next, and that's rude. That's the only thing we had in common. My ex was also a control freak like me, and that's why we clash so hard. That's why they tell you opposites attract. You can't have two yangs or two yings. You must have a ying and a yang to fit together. I get it. I get it. After about three days of trying to convince Sandra, I got upset. I voiced my feelings to her and she had never heard that kind of anger come out of my mouth before. I said, look, Sandra, there's something I need to tell you, and you need to listen very, very closely. I said, I'm falling in love with you, and I never, ever thought I would hear those words come out of my mouth Again, please, don't ruin it. But you must realize when I say that, I mean that. I have never spoken that way to her. Abrupt. I wasn't angry. I was abrupt, I guess. Okay, sorry. Anyways. It was always soft and gentle when I spoke with her. But I had to make a point. She wasn't listening. When you come out here next week, you will see. Besides, your father's right here to make sure I do nothing wrong. I know you, Gabriel. Better than you know yourself. Oh, I said, he would never stop you from doing whatever you want. You're right. You're right about that, sweetheart. You're right. I just told you, though, I love you. And that means something to me. I would never, ever do anything to jeopardize that. And I pray... You never would either. It would devastate me. I couldn't take it again. 
And folks, it did. But that's another episode. So I told Sandra everything I was going to do for my ex in the midst of training her. And of course, I was the father of her firstborn. Whenever they needed something from you, remember your daddy. As you've noticed, folks, I took my firstborn with me for a ride. I dropped off my first wife, ex-wife, and and her son at, at the apartment. And I had already given her some training. And she says, yeah, 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 I got it. Yeah, 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 I got it. Okay. And she would get started working that day. And yes, I had to pick them up and drop them off at the motel they were living at. First things first, I said to my daughter, to my firstborn, whatever you want to call her, we need to find your mother a car. She looked at me like surprised. I hope you don't think I'm going to keep driving her back and forth. What happens after I leave? I never thought of that, she said. We found one that one of the crew chiefs told me about. An old man was selling it at the job site that they were at right now. I, my daughter and I went and took a look at it while they were setting up the pool. We traded for the job, and it was just about equal. I threw him $100 for not trying to haggle back and forth. I really didn't have the uh, patience for that today, that day, I should say. (sighs) Then we went to a friend of mine, that worked at the DMV and had the title put in her name with temporary plates. With that done, I was getting tired. But a friend of mine who lived in the trailer court about three miles away from where I lived told me about this old man, one of his neighbors, that wanted to sell and go live with his son and we we went over there, and my daughter and I, and we squabbled back and forth on the price. So I grew tired of it. I was tired anyways, all this emotion that I was going through. And I took out 15 $100 bills and made a fan out of them, and I showed them. And I said, look, here's $1,500. Take it or leave it. The place needs work. And I pointed this out and that out to him that I could just see where I was sitting at. And he had not touched the place, you could tell, in years. When you get a certain age, 
It's not that you don't want to, folks. It's that you just can't anymore. I can tell you this now. I'm so weak now. All I can do is make it to this computer and tell you folks about my life and then back to bed. He said, my son's coming this weekend and he's going to move me out. I said, no problem. Take your time. I said, and then I explained my dilemma of my first ex-wife. Oh, he laughed. (laughs) I will call my son and get him over here as soon as possible. You poor young man, he said to me. We both laughed. And my firstborn didn't see the humor in it. No kidding. She couldn't say, well, I guess it was just a guy thing, you know. I had a friend who worked on my cars and my vans, and I took the car to him, and he turned, tuned it up, and it was purring like a kitten. And I had him also throw on two new back tires on it as well because I wanted her to be safe in the winter. Illinois, Chicago has bad winters, you know. And I swore my first daughter's to secrecy until everything was in place. I gave the old man my beeper number so He wouldn't accidentally call her on the office line. Three days after we made the deal, he called and said, Come over, pick up the keys. I'm moving out. I have moved out, he said. And good luck with, you know, the ex-wife, he said. I went and met him alone. I didn't tell the daughter about him and said, thank you so much, sir, for understanding. If I don't do this for her, she'll want to live with me, and I can't have that. I understand, son, he said to me. He handed me the keys, and that was that. Oh, by the way, you'll have to report to the front office That's where you pay your rent, he added. Wait, what? I just bought this. You bought the trailer, son. You didn't buy the land it's on. And how much is that? He told me the price every month, plus free water, he said. Oh, that isn't bad, I said. She should be able to handle that, just panhandling. We both laughed cruelly, and I know, but she was never nice to me the whole 12 and a half months we were together. Remember, yin and yang? Meanwhile, I was giving a blow-by-blow account to Sandra about everything that was happening this whole time. And that girl I saved 
Renee kept calling me, and I would tell Sandra, can you meet me? Can we have coffee? Can I work in the office? I'll work for free. Believe me, it sounded appealing. I didn't realize it at the time. I'm just a dumb guy, you know. And my love blinders were already on. And I'm so busy, so busy that I couldn't see what was happening right in front of my face and right in front of my nose. But Bob did. And believe me, dear old Bob was reporting back to his daughter everything. He didn't have a clue what was going on, but he was telling on me anyways. (laughs) Oh, boy. You know, is there anyone you can trust? No, there isn't. He was verifying that I had not one iota of feeling for my ex-wife, and that relieved Sandra. But Bob could hear me mumbling in the room every night, talking to some woman. I don't know, it might be that Renee, I don't know. And I would tell him who it was, and he would report to Sandra. And Sandra knew who I was talking to. So as she would act real surprised. Oh, he must have a new girlfriend. He must be because he's, they're talking every night. And then she would ask questions. Do you think he likes her? He must because he's so secretive about it. I'll ask him and he won't say anything to me about her and he usually spills the beans about everything that's going on with his latest girlfriend when it comes to that to me and I'm sure Sandra was laughing inside so Renee called me one day out of the blue and I hadn't heard for from her for a couple days, and I'd like to have you over for dinner at the house. And thank you and Bob for getting me out of that situation that she was in being polite. I said, well, of course. We'd be honored, I said. Hey, Bob, I yelled into the other room. Renee and her mom wants us to uh, know if we'll have dinner this Friday. Her mom's going to cook a real Italian dinner. Sure, he said. I would love it, he said. Bob, love anything. Renee, what time do you want us? She told me. I told Bob, and then I said, it's a date. Probably shouldn't have said that. I thought later, much later, years later, I had to keep up the charade, though, of knowing anything about Renee. 
these were dangerous drug dealers and she didn't understand but this is why I couldn't have anything to do with her if they even had a hint that I was near her then they'd put everything together and our lives would be in danger no kidding and Bob wasn't sharp enough to catch that and so I I was too busy working to involve myself with the likes of those kind of people. You keep those kind of people at arm's length until you need them. And then you disappear. You don't stick around. You go in, get what you need, and then get the heck out of Dodge. And that's what I did. Hey, Ma. Please be quiet. I'm trying to do a podcast down here. <laughs>